0: Hi. So today I have a fantastic interview to share with you with Douglas Levin. So Douglas is an Amazon seller um, and he has a really interesting story to share with you. How he started on Amazon doing retail arbitrage, he moved on to wholesale and then eventually he launched his own private label product. So he went on quite a journey which I'm really excited to share with you today. So Douglas helps e-commerce sellers to take back control of their brand's income and he's going to talk to you all about what he means by that. Douglas has lots of insights and experience to share with you, which I think you'll find really useful. So without any further ado, here's Douglas. So welcome, Douglas. Thank you so much for being here. And so um, can you introduce yourself first off, please?
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, my name is Douglas Levin and I've been selling on the Amazon platform and off the Amazon platform for about six years now.
0: Perfect. Thank you. So, I guess let's start right at the beginning. So, how and why? um, Why Amazon? First of all, let's start there.
1: Um, So, in terms of Amazon itself, it wasn't really anything at the time that was amazing about Amazon. Um, Obviously, they were still huge at that point, not to the level that they are now. Uh, It was more. uh, I come from was like a miles and points background, Um, so. Uh, I was a a drummer and, um, and that was my job at the time, uh, as a professional drummer. And, uh, I was like obsessed with like the travel and points community where like you could get like free trips, uh, well not free, but you, you can like earn points, uh, to get cash back and, and travel, um, for little or no cost. And, um, they ended up talking specifically about, um, basically reselling and getting free points in essence, where they were selling stuff on Amazon and then they were getting like I don't know uh, uh, th- like thousands of points. Um, so that was how I got introduced to the world of e-commerce and uh, and Amazon specifically. Um, it wasn't really anything that had to do with Amazon sp- uh, at the time. It was uh, it was more like I found them through through like the bloggers uh, that were talking about traveling points. And I had also heard um, like I guess previously um from a friend of mine who was he kept saying oh yeah i want to do amazon but he never he was too scared to do it um so i had heard of amazon uh like in terms of being able to sell there but i never really um done anything with it until uh until the i, I kind of came across the travel and, and points world
0: okay thank you and just to remind us what year was that just, to, uh, just that for context
1: so about six years ago
0: okay cool and um so you started off selling other people's products is that right
1: Yeah, yeah. I think when it started, I I had some stuff in my closet that was like um, either gifts over the year or or something that I uh, acquired that was like a new unopened product that I never touched Um, for whatever reason I never did. So I started with that um, just trying to do what's called like merchant fulfilled where um, anytime an order is placed, you're the one who has to go fulfill it to the customer. Uh, And you handle like the customer service side, you handle all of those kinds of things. Um, So I would put something up on Amazon and then someone would buy, I think it was like some piece of electronic or something that I had like in my closet. And then I would have to drive like five minutes or so to uh, the post office. Um, At the time I didn't have boxes or anything like that. So every time I would have to go through that whole process of um, finding tape, finding a box, um, uh, what's the uh, shipping information again, like probably put that like on my phone or something and then going there, spending uh, money on, on all that stuff, probably in the store while they're, um, working with, working on other um, people shipping stuff, putting it all in the box, type, taping it up, um, writing on the box what the shipping uh, information is and then sh- shipping it out. Um, so it was not the most efficient way to start, but, um, uh, that's how I got started with it.
0: Uh, but you know what, we all have to start somewhere, right?
1: Oh yeah, work.
0: So how long did you spend um, selling with that kind of model? So did you spend a while, so once you'd sort of sold the things in your house you had that were kind of, you know, good viable products to sell on Amazon, where did you take it from there?
1: Um, so after I started to learn a little bit about the how Amazon worked in terms of that process, I kind of... I I quickly realized that I wasn't doing it the best way possible. Uh, uh, Like I was probably losing money in terms of when I started to like think about the shipping that I had to do. And like the, the shipping prices were also a lot worse um, because I didn't know what I was doing. So some like um, it's one of the great things about what's called FBA, which is when Amazon fulfills the order is that they get a lot better shipping rates. Uh, And uh, unless you're like a seller that's selling a lot, um, where you can get better rates with, like, UPS and, and uh, the post office. Um, I didn't realize that until, like, I, I ma- ended up making a changeover um, that that's going to save me a lot of money. And the the other part as well is is it's going to save me a lot of time. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's when I, I ended up making the changeover to, to the FBA model, the Fulfilled by Amazon model, where um, I could now take products that I have and uh, ship them all in one box if it was under 50 pounds, um, and Amazon will take it. They'll deal with the customer side of it. Um, like, As far as most of the um, effort on my end is over as soon as I ship that box into Amazon. Um, there's always going to be extra things you have to deal with, but um, uh, it made a lot easier in terms of how I did my, my uh, business at the time and, um, and and it made it a lot easier to scale as well. So I didn't have to fumble around with getting um, a shipment together every time somebody ordered from me. Um, the shipping was a lot cheaper, um, and, and I was able to, to scale it better just by changing from Merchant Fulfilled to the FBA model. So that was, like, the next step for me.
0: Yeah, and that makes total sense. I sell via FBA myself as well, and I the main thing I noticed was the time, like you say, like, the time it takes you to pack an order and make sure the slip's in there and then take it to the post office is, yeah. I think... Uh, no, I, d- I don't really know about, about... I think the rates in the UK anyway are pretty comparable to what you'd pay yourself and what you'd pay for Amazon doing it. But for the convenience, it's like totally, totally worth it. So at that stage, were you still reselling other products?
1: Yes. Um, so um, I had, at that point, I, I um, was done with... The stuff that was in my closet, and I was starting to do what's called arbitrage, where uh, I end up going to like the big box stores, like a Walmart, a Target, an Office Max, like those kinds of stores, and try and find products that I was eligible to sell, where I could buy it for less than I could sell it on Amazon. So, like um, maybe I would find it for like say ten dollars, and I would sell it for like thirty or forty. Um, and at that point, I, I was starting to do better in terms of understanding how Amazon worked. Um, so I would start to uh, have a lot more money coming into my account, which was always nice. Um, uh, so I was, I was doing both retail arbitrage, which is where you go into the store, and then online arbitrage where you would buy stuff online and have it shipped to either you. Or um, since I didn't really want to deal with the shipping and, and prepping part as much as I could, um, I would use uh, 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 prep centers, which is – like, I just had to um, incorporate that into the cost. So, like, if I was buying something for, like, $10 and I would uh, – and the prep center – I would get stuff shipped directly to the prep center so they would prep it and ship it – prep it and, and pack it and ship it into Amazon for me. They would charge, like, say, a dollar or $1.50. So whenever I was trying to figure out what would be profitable on my, on my order for online arbitrage, I would say, all right, well, it's $10.00. But then I also have to account for the $1.50. So now it's 50 That's my cost. And then whatever the shipping rate's going to be. And, and so just trying to take that stuff into account. Um, and that was kind of the next kind of phase, I guess you would say, in terms of uh, what I was kind of going through um, when I was selling stuff on Amazon. And at that point, I was actually making a lot more money than I, than I was kind of doing stuff like when I was playing drums. So it was uh, pretty exciting at that point.
0: Yeah. And that, that also, I've never heard of these prep centers. And that also does sound like, it sounds like you're, like what you were doing is just getting more and more efficient. Because I mm. guess actually going to the retail stores and like looking for these products that are going to sell on Amazon, that must be incredibly time consuming as well. So I'm assuming that if you're able to source them online and then ship them somewhere to get them prepped, that must be a massive time saver as well.
1: Um, It usually is. Yeah, I I will say one of the things like I I haven't done arbitrage in a while, but I remember when I was doing it is that uh, There's pluses and minuses like anything else. I mean um, uh, That's the great plus in terms of the time saver. Um, You don't have to touch the product um, uh, And at that point you can kind of do it a lot easier however the downside of it compared to say retail arbitrage is everyone else is doing it so um, uh, if you find that deal um, on say Walmart.com, then the odds are somebody else has found it too. So you're competing with other people. Um, versus if you actually go in the store, you may find some find some products that nobody else has found because you're you're actually like was in the trenches. Like oh, I found this and and nobody else knew about it because it was on clearance or whatever at Walmart. Um, and and those are the kinds of things where you could potentially find yourself less competition uh, when you're kind of doing yeah. the advertising. But then obviously like. Like I said, um, I uh, will say the one thing I I didn't like about Arbitrage, well, there's a few, but one of them is that I did not like the idea of of going to like 10 or 15 Walmarts a day (laughs) and like going on sourcing trips where I would go like uh, take like my my girlfriend at the time's van and go on sourcing trips where like you're going, you have your shopping list of, of Arbitrage products And you're going into like 10 Walmarts a day or 15 targets a day or any of that kind of stuff. And you're planning your route and you're just like going from store to store um, for like two or three days straight. Um, I mean, it was great in terms of like, I would come back with like, like a ton of products that I could list and start to make money. But um, I also just didn't like the idea of spending an hour or two at every Walmart trying to source products. It wasn't what I found fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I can see that. Yeah. Okay, so at what stage did you decide to start selling your own products and and what what inspired you to do that?
1: Yeah, so um, uh, I was doing the arbitrage model for a little while and like I was saying, I was kind of getting sick of going in the stores all the time. Um, The other part that is the downside about arbitrage um, is that it's not your products, Um, so uh, the brand's Generally, do not like arbitrage sellers um, because it's a leak in the supply chain. Um, so, like the brand is very, very protective of of their image of of everything that has to do with their brand, and they're seeing these people that they don't know selling their products online, and a lot of times they don't know what to do to stop it. Um, so. Uh, the arbitrage sellers—they're doing nothing wrong. It's all completely legal, and 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 there are many sellers that I know to this day that have seven and eight-figure businesses doing this model. Um, but I was starting to get worried because um, the brands um, would uh, send notices to arbitrage sellers, and they would try and reach out with basically like what's called IP claims or intellectual property claims, where. Um, yes, the arbitrage sellers could fight it, and they were within their, their legal rights to do so. However, with Amazon, you're pretty much found guilty until proven innocent. Um, so um, at the time, I was also um, more, more and more reliant on Amazon for my income. So I was getting more and more nervous that something could happen to me where I'd face suspension, and I'd have to fight it, and I'd have to spend like two to $5,000 trying to figure out how to get reinstated. I was like, I, I just didn't want to deal with the stress and headaches of it. Um, so first I, was, uh, I made the transition to what's called wholesale, where you're the authorized seller on a brand's inventory. So um, I, will, I, I always give the example, I, like you will never get a wholesale account with Nike. But for, for example's sake, let's say that I reached out to Nike and I, I said I was going to sell my products on Amazon, and they approved me to sell their products. That's never going to happen, but um, say, say you yeah. were. Then at that point, you would get an invoice from Nike. You would place your order um, for, like, say, uh, in bulk of, like, say, I don't know, 200 units of different products of theirs. It, you would get it shipped to you or uh, your prep center, um, have it prepped, and then shipped into Amazon, and now you're authorized to sell their products. So they, knew, they know who you are. Um, or you could go through a distributor as well, Um, and you have an invoice, so if anything does happen in the future, um, you're more protected. It's not generally as high of a return on investment as arbitrage. Um, There are always uh, uh, certain examples that are not, uh, that are exceptions to the rule, Um, but in general, arbitrage is a model that can get you a higher return, but it's uh, more um, varied in terms of um, how much you can get so you can you can pick up like 30 or 40 units at one store and never get it again Versus with wholesale you're a, yes, you might get lower return lower profit margins However, you can you can order from them over and over again for potentially years um, So I tried that model and I was doing doing pretty well with it. However um, The ch- the change that I did was partially because of the of the worry and the stress um, and even with wholesale I had to deal with the twenty thousand dollars shipment, like when I got my first exclusive, where um, I was left holding the bag for about two or three months, um, trying to figure out what to do because Amazon screwed up the shipment. Um, and then I also, I even with wholesale, I still woke up to ten use sold this new complaints on my account, where um, these are all products that were authorized and legitimate from the supplier, yet Amazon is still dinging me because of something that happened. So I was finding myself more stressed, um, still trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do so that I don't have to deal with all of these headaches, even with wholesale, where I thought it was going to be all unicorns and rainbows. Um, so that was when I started to look into, like, what can I do differently? So then that's where I started to come up with the, with the, uh, the idea of private label and starting to come up with my own brand, my own products, so that I didn't have to be completely reliant on Amazon for all of my sales and traffic.
0: Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. So when you, you said, I guess you were starting to think about creating your own products. So what, so what next? Talk us through how you, how you went about it.
1: Yeah, so um, I will one, say one thing about me is that I, I spend a lot of money on courses. <laughs> um, uh, I, I've, I, if you ask my wife, she'll say I spent way too much money on courses. <laughs> but um, um, so I think when I was doing wholesale, I was interested in the idea of private label but I didn't really know what to do at the time. It was never something that I had thought, oh, well, well, I'm going to do that right now. I was so obsessed with, like, the wholesale model. Um, but I ended up buying, like, a few different courses. There was one specifically where I learned a lot. Um, like, if if you know Learon Hirschporn and Andy Slammons, I, I took their course, and I learned a lot from them um, in terms of the idea of private label and, like, how to get started with it. Um, but I never really did anything with it until... Um, like there was something going on with my my wife, like a niche that she's very passionate about. And um, uh, she was looking for a specific type of product, but it wasn't there. Everything that was similar basically was terrible. Um, so it wasn't even something where we were looking at it from the perspective of, oh, I just want to create a, a product and bring it to market. It was more like a passion project because she was looking for something that wasn't there. Um, it's like, all right, well, I mean, we're doing okay with wholesale I've been, I've been talking about wanting to do it eventually anyway, so, and I'm, I'm getting more and more stressed about Amazon in general, so yeah, let's, let's try it. The worst case scenario, it fails, and we've tried to find something that works for you, right? Um, so that was the kind of the idea behind it, um, and, and then at that point, I just kind of became obsessed with what can I do now to kind of bring that product to market. Um, I became uh, obsessed with the idea of, of chatbots, the idea of marketing in general, um, so that I could start to not be relying on Amazon when the product is ready, um, but use them um, for the amazing channel that they, that they are, um, while also like, like starting to build up my own actual brand so I can um, start to do whatever I want. So that was kind of the, like, the thought process uh, as I kind of started
0: sure so was the idea that you would sell on amazon but also sort of build up your own web presence elsewhere so that you yeah because i guess that's the thing of amazon isn't it if you sell just on amazon they can they own your customer you've got no customer details and yeah it definitely makes it harder when you want to scale so um, do you want to tell us a bit more about the product about what it is and what it does
1: um so that's always the thing that that i I hate about amazon too is like um you always feel like if you can, if you give too many details about your product, then there's always going to be these competitors that are going to try and steal the idea or do anything like that. So I always feel like, like uh, I'd love to say more about it, but then you're always like, well, if I do, then um, uh, will something happen where there's going to be a whole bunch of competitors that come out of the woodwork and do like black hat tricks and all those other things? So you're always. It's the one thing I, I I like really don't like about the Amazon platform is that you always feel like you have to be like very restrictive in terms of oh I can't say anything to anybody because um, bad things could happen and we're versus if you're just doing e-commerce in general it's like oh yeah here's my here's my brand here's my product I'm ready to shout up from the rooftops so so it, it's it's too it's unfortunate that it has to be like that um, I will say that that our product is like a replenishable product so um, uh, and it's consumable um, so uh, we're able to get like go through that like replenishable aspect of it. So we get people that buy from us every month, which is amazing. I I would say if you're capable of doing it, it is an amazing um, model in terms of like when you're building a brand is something that you can um, set it in terms of like, if you can really have a great um, brand set up in terms of your propositions and in terms of how you relate to the customer Um, and you have something that people have to order from you every month. Um, It's a much easier way to scale because, um, then you can you can have those happy customers who are just going to put it on autopilot, and now you have that monthly recurring uh, in, uh, revenue coming in uh, just by doing that model versus um, something that's like a one-off. Um, even if it's a higher price product, like say $100, 200 dollars, that's great. Um, however, you're going to have to you're going to struggle a little bit more trying to figure out what can I do to get them to buy from me over and over again. I mean, there's always cross sells that you can do, but you can do cross sells with with replenishable products as well. Um, uh, so it's so one thing I would kind of say kind of moving forward if, if people were to do it kind of pay attention to that as well
0: yeah that makes sense and I guess also if you're buying something that costs you know 100, 200 pounds, dollars you'd, you'd expect it to last a while as well so yeah. you wouldn't yeah you wouldn't be wanting to go out and buy the same product It's also a bit of a higher price point I guess to like recommend to someone even uh, when something mm-hmm. costs that much so yeah I like that, I, that idea and I guess as well it's um, we're talking about sort of getting your own customer maybe getting some traffic off amazon i guess that's a bit easier as well if people are buying from you over and over presumably it's a bit easier to get them to come and buy from your website rather than purely buying on amazon each time
1: yeah yeah and, 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 and that's the whole thing we're like um you also, all, as you get into the marketing aspect of like trying to sell on your own you have to understand that amazon is easier for the customer it's more convenient right um they're they're they've built up their their brand over what 20 25 years now um so if you're going to try and compete with amazon which basically you are right in terms of like it's much easier to just put your products on amazon if you're going to try and get a customer to buy from your website versus amazon there has to be a reason um because there all things being equal they're just going to go to amazon even if it's your product um so that comes down to like what can you do to get to differentiate your own products um, like the offer itself um, potentially what you can uh like why you would want them to buy from your own website so you, if you can make it like that apples to oranges comparison versus an apples to apples comparison so like maybe you offer something extra by going through your website um, in the past you used to not be able to do this but now you can where like um, it might be to potentially be a little bit cheaper on your own website versus Amazon, um, uh, if you can potentially offer um, say some kind of um, bonus digital content or or basically make an irresistible offer where you bundle in things where it doesn't cost much extra to you potentially. That's why I'm saying like a digital product would be amazing because it's no extra cost, but it, it's it's adding enough value potentially. Um, where that customer is going to look and go all right? Yeah I could buy your products or a competitor's product on Amazon for like say 40 bucks Or I could go to your website spend like 45 or 50, but I'm getting um, This 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 and this on top of it and maybe it costs you an extra like two bucks or something, but you're now um, Not having to compete on Amazon, with Amazon as well And you're starting to actually get that customer where you weren't getting them if you're going through Amazon
0: so what are you doing so with your products what are you doing to get people onto your website rather than to buy from Amazon
1: Um so uh the ir- irresistible offer is a huge part of it um uh in, in ter- like those basic same aspects uh we'll also do monthly promotion sometimes in terms of when we get people onto our list um it's the whole thing of uh when you get people onto your list um nobody ever reaches out and talks to them like I'll routinely like like uh Like I'm in a whole bunch of masterminds with people that are trying to do the same thing in terms of selling both on, on Amazon and all. And like, I, I I know like sellers that are like brands who have like a email list or a messenger list of like 50 or hundred thousand people. They don't ever talk to them. Um, It's like you put in all of these resources to talk, to build up this list. This is this huge asset, which is honestly why, why companies usually buy brands and you're not contacting them. So I'll, I'll reach out with like, say, like I said, the monthly promotions, uh, first access, um, uh, potentially giveaways every once in a while, um, different, different kind of lead magnets where um, it's going to incentivize them to want to check out my site and only my site. Because if I control that customer because I brought them in, um, however I acquired them uh, as, a, as a lead, and, I, and everything I'm doing is to nurture that relationship with them, then um, I lead them to my website. Uh, and I'm giving them um, some kind of an incentive to buy, um, and I'm following up at that point, then they're more likely to want to buy from my website versus just going on Amazon. It's a different type of thought process um, in terms of that, uh, that, that whole idea. Um, but if you kind of like funnel them to your website and you've done all of the great propositions, um, customer service, giving value, um, then uh, you can't compete with Amazon just if you're going to say, hey, buy my thing. But if you're doing those other aspects um, to, to your whole brand building, then at that point, that's where you can actually build a real brand that is going to start to uh, get sales away from Amazon as well.
0: So what are you doing to get people onto your mailing list in the first place?
1: Um, so we've done, done a few different things. Um, so what I usually like to do, and, and this is what I recommend for anybody that's, if, you, if you're trying to sell on your own website, or if you're trying to use Amazon as a platform, um, like, like like we do now is we, we we're never going to get away from Amazon. We, uh, I love Amazon and I, and, I, and it's a great model. Um, I just don't want to be completely relying on them for all my traffic. I want to use them um, as something to supplement my traffic. Um, so what I, I always recommend is if you're going to start with like a brand is there's three foundational strategies which always need to be in place. Um, you need to know who your ideal customer is. you need to have brand values set. And you need to know who your competitors are and how you can compete with them. Um, so I'll, I'll I'll look at those three pieces first, um, uh, and based off of that, I'll come up with um, basically a lead magnet that's going to be irresistible to them. Where like if I've done all of that research and I know everything about my ideal customer when I'm getting started, then I can go I can know all right. Um, uh, they're having this problem, this problem, this problem, this problem. Um, and all your product ever is, this is, the, this is, I can't remember where I heard it, but um, this is all I ever think of is all products are is a solution to a problem. So um, everything I'm looking at is, is what's the problem that they're having and how can I potentially solve it? Um, so I'll look at that and then start to brainstorm different um, uh, types of lead magnets that will help solve that problem. And then from there, it's just a matter of testing different ones, seeing what resonates the most with my ideal customer, and then sending traffic to it, whether it's in the form of like ads, or if I've built up my own community, um, putting posts out there to try and get them onto my list. Um, any way you're going to do it, like, like a thousand different ways could work, um, but it's, it's having that strategy in, uh, in mind ahead of it, and then just testing and looking at the data.
0: Yeah, I think you're right and trying out different things is definitely a yeah, a really smart way to get started because you just don't know what's going to stick. Um, the thing that's worked best for me for having for getting people over onto my mailing list is an insert inside the actual product box with you know te- with details. So I one of my products I sell is swaddles for babies and I've got a little card that goes out in the box that says if you want a free guide six ways to swaddle your baby go to this link and that's, yeah, that's the biggest way I build my list. And I've tried, also, as I'm sure you have, tried all kinds of things and that one just seems to be the one that works. But I think unless you try these things, you're just not, you're just not going to know. And I think there's a lot of testing involved, isn't there?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it's the one thing that, like, if you're, if you're trying to, like, reach out to, say, somebody to handle your Facebook ads or somebody to do anything at all with, like, marketing or anything really at all, In terms of like the business world anyone who says they know what's gonna work is lying like um, uh, like I say like when I'm handling stuff for clients like I don't know if this is gonna work like I don't know what's gonna work but you have an idea of what will potentially work like because you've done enough like testing and you kind of have gotten data back in the past so it's really at that point of like like uh, doing all the research you can ahead of time and knowing different things about whether it's the marketing aspects or ads or anything like that, where you're like, all right, based off of my history of testing this, I, I know that it probably one of these type of things could work. So we're gonna test this, 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 right? You've got all of these different things that you're gonna test and you're gonna just look at the data. So you're trying to not look at things emotionally at all. You're just like, like all right, I'm gonna look at the data. I've got these 100 potential ways that I could test. And now I'm just gonna go down the list and then I'm going to revise and iterate based off of what the data tells me. Um, it, so don't just assume like, oh, yeah, I tried this one time. It didn't work. So it, it, it's obviously not going to work, right? You don't know. I mean, nobody does. Um, so you just kind of look at it and just keep testing. And that's all All this ever really is. Anyway, That's a lot of business in general. Like, Yeah. Obviously, I, I, I'm speaking about it in this, in this kind of example. But, I mean – Whatever you're trying to do, um, that's pretty much how it is. And then ultimately, if you stick with it, it's the idea of like the mindset aspect too is like um, uh, eventually you'll break through. You don't know what, what it's going to be that ultimately gets you to that point. But if you keep sticking with it and looking at uh, what, where, what potentially didn't work, and then how can I make a change based off of that and try this other thing and then this other thing, then eventually you'll find something that hits. Um, So, so I I think it's something that everybody in general needs to do, regardless of 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 what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it it definitely is an evolution, as you've shown from your story today of how you started off doing arbitrage and then moved into wholesale and private label. Um, Yeah, it's always an evolution, isn't it? And unless you try these different things, you don't really know what works for you, what doesn't. I think you're right. I think that applies to all aspects of business, and it's definitely better to go out there and try something than than think about it for for months, years, whatever the case may be.
1: Yeah, yeah. The whole idea of like everyone does like a, a get ready to get ready, right? Um, if, you're, if you have that, that, I, that thought in your head, you're going to be like 80 and looking back like, oh, I wish I would have done this. Um, but really when I look at like people that are, are, are not going to have any regrets and they're, they're going to look back at their life and it's like, okay, and th- this is how I always look at anything. It's like, all right, even if I fail and I do everything I possibly could And it just didn't work out for whatever reason. I'll be 80 looking back and going, all right, well, I tried, right? I did everything I possibly could and it just didn't work, but I don't have any regrets. Because that's like the big thing that I I know, like they've done studies with like a whole bunch of people in their 80s, 90s, 100s who are like looking back at their life. And that's the biggest thing that they have is they have a regret that they didn't do something or they didn't try something. Um, So no matter, like, I could look back in like two years and I completely failed and everything is terrible, but at least I know that I gave it everything I possibly could. So I didn't get ready to get ready. Like, cause you're never it's never going to be perfect. You can always look at it and go, all right, well, I need this to happen and then I'll, I'll try it. Or, um, well, once this thing is in place, then I'm going to go before it. Like it's never the right time. Like, like you, you got to dive in and you're going to make mistakes and that's fine. It's part of the process.
0: This is a great point, at which to ask you, about, actually. So what is your number one advice? So to anyone listening who's thinking of starting to sell their own private label products, something they've created themselves? What's the key thing you want them to know?
1: Um, well, there's a lot of things, I guess. Um, um, I guess it depends on, like, are they people that have been selling already, or are they people that are just starting off from scratch? I guess starting, I
0: let's say starting from scratch.
1: All right. So if you're starting from scratch, one of the things I would say is that what you're going to do doesn't matter at the moment. I would say um, there's two things that you have to have in place before you can even think of getting started. Um, And the the first one is that you're going to make a lot of mistakes. Like it's going to happen. Um, So what I usually recommend to people is, is first start doing a lot of reading of people that have done it before. Um, like it's something I, I really wish I would have done when I got started um, is you can avoid so many mistakes and put yourself in a much better position from day one just by looking at what people that are successful have done in the past and just modeling it um, so like uh, like look at Jeff Bezos he, he's got a story out there look at Warren Buffett he's got a story out there like there are so many people that have done amazing things that are, get, are telling you what to do basically um, so I would say start there um, in terms of like read voraciously. Um, it's something that I've done in the last like six to 12 months where I have finally started to take on trying to be a big, a big reader and it's completely changed my life. Um, and and that will help you in business. Um, the other part is um, you have to have the right mindset for this. Um, uh, if you're going to co- go into it with a negative mindset, you're going to fail. Um, uh, if you go into it like we're saying, the idea that you don't know what's going to work, but I'm going to take whatever happens and learn from it, um, take it as not failure but as feedback, uh, and keep iterating until I get there. Um, have that kind of growth mindset. Um, if you if you've seen like the mindset book by Carol Dweck, she talks about that idea where like you can either look at it like I'm I'm going, I, it's a fixed mindset, or and I'm either going to be great at this or not, or a growth mindset of I don't care what happens. What can I learn from it? How can I grow from this? Um, Those two pieces, I would say, are the big things to get started. And then from there, I mean, uh, like I said, there's those foundational strategies if you're going to sell your own product where you have to become obsessed with what niche you're going to start with, um, uh, what can you learn about your ideal customer so you can know everything about them, um, uh, what their fears are, what their hopes are, what their desires are. Um, And then at that point, it's just about giving them what they want the like like I was saying like everything is just about solving a customer's problems, and that's all your product ever is so if you look at it from that that perspective of I know everything about them, I know that they're having these issues, and now all I got to do is talk to them in their own language um, and give them what they want, um, the products will start to take care of themselves you'll start to figure out what's going to help them along their journey um, and and it's not that complicated like e-commerce in general yes you're gonna you're gonna make a lot of mistakes and you're gonna do things you had no idea um you would ever do like i didn't think when i started six years ago that i would be doing this um so there's going to be that that kind of journey that goes 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 forward but the the actual like platform itself and selling is not rocket science um you you go through this process you find out what a customer wants and you give it to them. And then you give them a great experience and then you give it to them again. That's all this ever is. So, so I would say if you're going to start, go through those steps uh, ahead of time and then make some mistakes and just learn from them.
0: Thank you. And I'm really curious. So the product, and I promise this is my last question. Um, <laughs> so you mentioned that your the product you came up with was inspired by something your wife was looking for. So is she your ideal customer and did that help you with like developing the product and the sort of the voice and figuring out who it was you were talking to.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. She's my ideal customer. Uh, <laughs> the only thing I'll say about her is that she, she said it herself that she's um uh, like w- one of our propositions is, is like um, your, what is it called? I can't remember the, um, uh, the cost of cheap. I can't remember what the name of the proposition is. Um, but where you're supposed to, the idea is that if you make yourself a commodity where you're um, just, fighting on price, then the only person that ever wins is the customer. So you have to come up with how your product can be a premium product, um, and your and customers are going to spend more money because they're going to actually save money in the long term. Like you talked about the idea of a $100 product where it should last a while. So um, she's fully admitted that she doesn't look at it that way. She looks at it from the perspective, I want the cheapest thing. So that's the only thing I think where, where she differs than the ideal customer, but she's pretty much the ideal customer. Um, so for us, I'll say it made it a lot easier as I was doing that ideal customer research, looking at brand values, um, looking at your competitors because she was obsessed with that niche. So like uh, she was on there. So as I was going through that process, um, she was probably getting very annoyed at me asking a, a thousand questions like, all right, so what, um, who are the category kings? Like uh, uh, who, do, who do I need to start looking at? And, she would she, like we would buy like it's the other thing like if you're familiar with click at all they talk about like take out your wallet and buy something um, so we would buy our competitors' products and we would look at what their funnels are and all these other things so she was great in terms of that because they're like oh yeah, um this is who I would think and then I would take out my credit card and 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 spend money on it so I could get um I start building a swipe file and all of these other things so yeah she's she's pretty much the idea customer. So. <laughs>
0: yeah i can see that would be really helpful and i think it's kind of good that it was her the ideal customer not you as well because i think it can be tricky when you're your own ideal customer because you sometimes then don't realize that there are other people that think differently from how you do so i think the fact that it was her not you and you it seems like like you were the one driving this that's um yeah i bet that's a great combination actually
1: yeah yeah, definitely and I, I I know now because like we're uh, we're doing some other things where like I'm the ideal customer and it's it's easier I guess in some ways because like I don't have to ask my wife and I know the market right um, uh, but it's also like you're saying you're more biased I guess so you um, you 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 have to look at it as, as objectively as you can and sometimes yeah that is really hard so I will still bug her all the time and she's probably gonna get annoyed right just in terms of like well, uh, I've been selling for like six years now, so um, at this point, she knows a lot about businesses—like not as much as I do—but she knows from me talking her ear off. So I'll sometimes um, like to talk about things, and like some like, and she, she she'll give me feedback, or like I've got other masterminds I'm in where we'll talk about things, and then I'll I'll put it on them. Like, what do you think? Does this seem like it's a good idea? Right? It's the idea of like networking and and masterminds in general. We're like you now have that community that you can bounce things off of. Like you trust each other enough. We're, like like I was saying before about where I, I don't feel comfortable, obviously with the Amazon side of it, where you're talking about your product or any of those kinds of things. Like these are people where they know my brand they know everything about me. We're like, and I know everything about them. We trust each other. It's that whole back and forth where I can start to get feedback from them. Uh, they're probably some of my ideal customer as well. So we can kind of, go back and forth i'm helping them they're helping me that kind of whole kind of process
0: yeah i mean talking to people about your products and your ideas in general is good i think a mistake i see people make is kind of keep everything really close to their chest and not talk to anyone because you absolutely don't talk to everyone but you need to have people you can trust that are going to give you useful feedback because yeah i think if you develop your product in a little bubble it yeah, I don't think that's, it's always going to be the best version of what it could be than if you actually went out and shared your ideas. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for everything you've shared today. That's been so helpful. So I will include links in the show notes that everyone can go and find you and follow you and find out more. And is there anything at all um, that we haven't covered that you'd like to mention before we wrap up?
1: Um, so I, I would, I guess, say that if anyone uh, that's listening um, that wants to learn more, like, say, about marketing or also chatbots, they can contact me on Facebook um, at Douglas Levin for a free cheat sheet, uh, the top five tips for taking full control over your e-commerce income. Uh, You can also follow my channel, Morning Marketing Machine, and I've also got a new program, Build Your Brand University. And if there's anything I can do to help you, uh, please feel free to reach out. That
0: sounds amazing. Well, thank you so much, Douglas. All right, thank you. Thank you hi i really hope you enjoyed this interview with douglas and you took something away from it Um, if you'd like to find out more about the information douglas shared with you all the links will be available in the show notes i'll also include links to my product creation course which you can also find at courses.chipmunkcoach.com as always i would love to know what you thought of this episode please let me know it's vicky at tinychipmunk.com and please do rate and review the podcast if you're listening within apple Podcasts, as that really does help other people to find out about